Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to The Social Circus, where every week we dive into a variety of topics covering social media, mindset, and how to run your business. I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Social Circus. I am your host, Sarah Thompson, and today I am thrilled to be welcoming back the amazing Louise Percy from the Percy Institute. Welcome, Louise. Hello, Sarah. It's wonderful to be invited back. Thank you so much. Now, I have to say it is quite, I do have quite an ulterior motive for inviting you back because of all of my guests that I've had, your episode has been my most listened and downloaded. So it is quite strategic having you back on. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled. I mean, that's that's just great. I think you make me so relaxed. It's just easy to have a chat with a friend, really. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. So for my listeners who haven't um, haven't listened to your past episode, please go and check out the show notes because I will pop in the link to Louise's past interview that I did with her. As I said, it's really interesting and insightful. But Louise, I would love you to introduce yourself again because you are without doubt one of the most interesting people I have ever met. Um, and just give us a little um, synopsis of your very interesting life that has led you to being an etiquette coach. Well, um, I started the Percy Institute of International Protocol in 1992, and I did so because I have a background which is military through my family, political through my work as a press officer for two prime ministers, and then diplomatic because I also had a short stint um, as a cadet diplomat at the embassy in Washington, D.C., and all of it came together in the early 90s. And I started the first, the first business was actually the My Fair Lady School of Etiquette, which was <laughs> Kitchenette's name. And uh, in those days, obviously, before we had podcasts and things, it was a great way of getting print media interest. And um, when I got when I was invited then by a government department to run some corporate protocol courses for them, uh, I changed the name to the Percy Institute. It seemed more appropriate. And, and since then, I've had offices in Singapore and Shanghai and now very proudly headquartered here in Perth, Western Australia. Oh, amazing. And just listening to you speak, you are so eloquent in your in your diction and I'd love listening to you talk, but it is slightly intimidating. <laughs> not so I have got you on today because... I loved your interview so much because it gave me so much confidence when we talked a little bit about networking. And what I really want to focus on today is discussing, because we all have coming up imminently, Christmas parties, Christmas events, end of year events, networking events. And this puts us a little bit out of our comfort zone and also puts us in situations where we might not be acting in our best interest. <laughs> so I thought it would be a really timely opportunity to have a chat to you about these kind of events. So shall we start with, if I am the host of an event, like if I am hosting a Christmas party in my business, what are some of the great tips that you could give in terms of how I can ensure that I have a successful event? I think sending the invitation out well in advance and ensuring that your guests RSVP. Now, how do you do that these days? It's very tricky when people are getting so many invitations. And one of my new go-to strategies is to actually send the invitations out electronically. There are various um, organisations such as Paperless Post, for example, that can do it. And people will automatically hit that RSVP button. And it means that you as the organiser can then see how many people are coming. And they will then, if they need to, go back in uh, and change their RSVP if they're then unable to attend. But for guests, 
if you don't have a, a paperless post invitation coming through, please do be considerate of the host. And if there's a, a date on the RSVP invitation that you receive, it's the date by which you reply, not the date necessarily on which you reply. So if you um, have an email, let's say it's been sent by email, you can then reply via email. But if you've replied that you're able to attend and something comes up at the last minute, that's when you get in touch with your host, usually via text, and say, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm unable to attend. Now, it may well be the host will say, would you like to send somebody in your place, depending on the style of the function. Right. And I love that. And so if I'm actually hosting the event and no one RSVPs, which to be fair, seems to be increasingly common, what do I do? <laughs> you follow up with them. And yeah. so um, generally, I mean, uh, you, you have an email list, you'll probably have, you know, et cetera. And, and you might just need to follow up. It's a bit like, you know, launching a, a marketing situation. You just need to follow up. And I mean, it's a real shame, but it's honestly, Sarah, it's a it's not just a, a West Australian problem. It's an Australia-wide problem. And it's pretty much happening all around the world. I mean, all we etiquette experts experts chat <laughs> to each other and it and it really is uh something that's coming up all the time so to your listeners um please do rsvp when you get an invitation oh that's a lovely tip and so i know who's coming the day has arrived of my christmas party that i am the host for um what what are some tips when i to ensure that the event goes smoothly because i know that when i host events one of the hardest things is that you feel like you don't get to spend time with people yeah yeah so for you, it's really a matter of doing your homework. So um, as you know, I've got the five P's, prior preparation prevents poor performance. And I can't stress I that more when you're a host at a, an end of year, uh, particularly a work function. And so be aware of all your guests that have an RSVP and they're going to be attending. And so when you're introducing them, which is going to be your role as a host, um, make sure you have a few tidbits that you can offer, not a potted biography of each of them, but mm. a few tidbits so that they've got something to start talking about when you've got to move on and continue your hosting duties. And in line with that, Sarah, I always like to think that it, you as the host could be at the entrance to the, the function room mm. where you're, you're having the event so that you're able to greet everybody as they come through. You don't have to be there all night, but perhaps the first half hour. Oh, and I love that because you actually gave me that tip privately when I was talking to you about a function that I was hosting. And uh, I have to say, because I had greeted people, I then felt like I was under less pressure throughout the night because I had actually acknowledged and spoken to everyone that had come. So it is a wonderful tip. It sounds so simple, but it's so good. Oh, look, it, it, it is a great tip. And of course, the other thing as a host is do offer name tags. Mm. Now, this probably sounds a little old-fashioned and things when everybody can just exchange phones and, you know, work out who's who. But it makes it so much easier in that introduction because if you do have two or more people who don't know each other, uh, you know, you really should introduce them, not just a, as a host but as another guest. And, you know, we all forget people's names. That's a that's a universal problem. It's not <laughs> just for a few people, you know. And all the years I've, I've been running the Percy Institute, I always get my, my uh, business etiquette um, uh, participants to put their hand up if they have never forgotten someone's name and oh. no one's never done it. So <laughs> name, tags, name tags are great. And the etiquette is that they actually go on the left-hand side. Right. Not, Inside. Oh, that's really interesting. So mm. I've always put mine on the left, but I think that was because I was left-handed and that felt more natural. But one of one of my bugbears for everyone that's listening is name badges for us uh, that are more mature. 
that are tiny. And yeah. I just need to be able to read your first name like Louise. And mm -hmm. it's lovely to see Louise Percy and the Percy Institute, but Louise is what I need to be able to read. Yeah. And so for anyone who's doing name badges, please just put the first name really large so that people like myself don't have to squint to try and read it uh, because that's terrible. And it's, it's, it might be nice to place what your organisation is, but I just need your first name to start the ball rolling. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, great tip from you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I think that's an aging tip. So <laughs> we've, we've got everyone here and people are mingling and we've done that beautiful meet and greet. So as the hostess, um, what, are, what are really kind of my minimum things that I want to make sure I do whilst I'm hosting an event? I think you need to ensure that your guests, so you've briefed, if you're having a catered function, you've mm -hmm. briefed Brief, brief the caterers that you want them to keep moving around all the time with drinks and mm -hmm. canapé, etc. And my other, my other little tip with the canapé as a guest, for example, is I won't take anything that's bigger than one bite because invariably you're going to be caught with somebody coming at you. You've got a half-eaten finger sandwich, you've got a glass of wine or a glass of juice or mineral water or something in the other hand and somebody comes up wanting to shake hands with you and maybe even exchange business cards. It just mm. makes so difficult so the one bite thing is a good is a good oh tip. I love that tip and it, it's been really interesting I've been noticing quite a big trend towards like I've gone to a few functions recently that have been lunch but we don't have a sit down lunch and we get given I'm, I'm loath to call them canapes because they're enormous but they're not really a meal but they're not really and they get served and you're sort of holding this little baby burger thing and they're awkward to eat and I actually don't enjoy it at all I have to be honest maybe I'm getting old <laughs> No, no, you're not. And look, I my other mantra for for people with whom I'm 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 having discussions about hosting etc. is that if in doubt, don't. I mean, the thing is that you're there to actually promote your business to um, obviously host if that's your if that's your role. If the food is going to be awkward, don't don't do it. I mean, my my military naval officer father um, used to always have an adage that, you know, if you're going to a stand-up function where there's going to be food, eat before you go. You're not there to be a taste tester. Oh, mm. oh I like that. And um, I actually attended an event last night and I was speaking and I knew that it was dinner and I knew that they were likely to be serving right up until the moment that I was speaking. And when I arrived, someone kindly said, oh, um, I bought a meal over for you and your husband to eat. And I said, oh, I will politely decline because I've eaten before I came because I don't want to get up on stage and have food in my teeth. And <laughs> what I was really saying was it's actually really awkward to eat. And especially if you're speaking, you want to make sure you look nice. I'm hopeless for dropping food on myself. So I felt like that just gave me an easy out. Like, like I'm not there to eat. I'm there to speak. Yes. And it actually was the first time I'd done that. And I said to my husband on the way home, oh, that was a really good strategy. I hadn't thought of it before not to eat. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, and if your host does give you something, depending on, on which culture um, your host is from, you can sometimes just play with the food a little bit so that you look as if you're accepting their hospitality, um, <laughs> but do what you need to do for yourself. Oh, I love that. So as the hostess, I want to make sure the food's all appropriate and I want to make sure I'm, I'm obviously greeting everyone. And then from a guest perspective, because this is where most of us sit, is that we actually go and attend events as a guest, particularly at Christmas. Now, what do we need to do, aside from obviously RSVPing, what, what should we be doing to sort of put our best foot forward at these events? Be prepared to do a self-introduction. You know, if the host 
and others um, are, are busy, you know, it can be a committee situation rather than just perhaps you um, being the host. If if they're busy, be prepared to go up to people with a with a confident self-introduction. It doesn't have to be a potted biography of who, who you are. Um, and if you're in a, let's say you're at a, a stand-up networking function and people are in a group, you can sort of wander up to the group, particularly if there's one person in the group that you know, and you can make eye contact. And it's then for that person politely to say when there's a break in the conversation, oh, I'd like to introduce Louise Percy. Louise is the founder of the Percy Institute. And it, and bring that person in into the group. If mm -hmm. you are uh, on your own and you don't have that situation and you're sort of really feeling uncomfortable, go and hover around the drinks table or something because there's always <laughs> someone there that's going to want to talk to you. Yes, and that's definitely something that I've done when I'm really overwhelmed at events and it's really busy is to go to the drinks or go to the food because yeah. the interesting thing about that is because we're often not looking and making eye contact with people, I find that particularly if there's sort of like, you know, like a grazing table, people will come up and chat to you alongside you whilst they're picking up bits of food. It's actually much more friendly in that moment. It's a really interesting concept actually, Sarah, because since the pandemic, it's become, there's been a lot of research done on this. People have become a lot more conscious about making eye contact in an in-person situation because we all got so, so, I suppose, confident behind a screen that to go in, in person now is, is difficult for some. But the corollary of that is that we're actually standing around eating food with people as well. <laughs> so, so the thing is, it's a it's a sort of double-edged sword. Yes, you're going to be making some eye contact once you've got your plate because you're probably not going to just take your plate and wander off. You might actually have a word to the person next to you. But I think that the confidence of conversation is something that we should all be really looking at because if you can be someone who puts somebody else at their ease, you're seen as somebody who has charisma. And if you're seen as somebody with charisma, you're the sort of person that other people want to gravitate towards because they know they're going to feel comfortable with you. Oh, and I love that you said that in the last podcast interview and I have kept it with me ever since because um, it's really interesting when we go to these events and even confident extroverted people like myself still get in my own head about what am I going to say when I meet someone that I don't know. Yeah. And your words to say my job is to put other people at ease are something that I've really taken forward with myself in my sort of all of my networking really. And yeah. it's actually really nice because you get out of your own head. Yes. Yep. Yep. And invariably you're not the only one feeling ill at ease at a function. Mm. It's easier for you the host because you have a distinct role. But if you're a guest, you're going on on your own representing your organisation or your own business, um, you're there to do a job. You're there to, to network, to uh, meet other people and as much as possible, do remember that as well. And if it all gets too hard, take yourself off to the powder room, the bathroom, the ladies' mm -hmm. room, what to call it, fix your lipstick, look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself a positive self-talk in your head that you're there mm -hmm. to do a job it's an hour and a half it's not that hard get out there and do it oh I love it <laughs> that's definitely the kind of thing I would do Louise I love it so from a um, conversation perspective um, particularly around Christmas oh. I've definitely noticed a trend for us being more tentative in terms of how we ask people what are your plans for Christmas because yeah. people have such different circumstances is that a topic we want to avoid I don't think it's necessary to avoid it, but I tend to be using these days, because we're so wonderfully multicultural in Australia, mm -hmm. I tend to be using the holidays. What are you planning for the holidays? Mm -hmm. uh, do you celebrate Christmas? 
Yes. And those sorts of things. So it's not really a personal question. It's a, a fairly generic question, but it's giving people the opportunity to say, well, no, we don't celebrate Christmas in, in our family, but we're actually all looking forward to getting together as a family um, for end of year celebrations. Lovely. And um, if you do ask a question that gets a prickly response, mm. which is my worst nightmare, <laughs> Um, but how do we how do we manage that? Or how do we talk ourselves out of it? Graciously. Oh, great answer. <laughs> so, so by doing it, you can actually change the tone of your voice. You can respond and say, "Oh, look, uh, I do apologise. I, I I didn't mean to um, to to make you to make you uncomfortable." Mm. Um, I, do you have plans for the for the holidays? Do you have school age children? And just completely change the subject. Oh, I like that. Um, I tended to keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> and over well, we've, all been, we've all been there and done that. I've got years of experience on trying to you know, get over the digging routine. Oh, yes. And I love the the um, strategic sidestep. I think that's such a good tip. Um, now, another thing, and I will be really honest and say in my younger days, I was appalling at this, was drinking at work functions. Um, mm. I'm really embarrassed to, if I could see my younger self, I would give her such a stern talking to about how much I used to drink. I used to get, because I was particularly in corporate when you're in very young teams, say I was in a team with 15 other under 30 year olds it's very yeah. easy to go to functions and I remember particularly when I lived in Sydney we our agencies used to invite us to events and so it was just like a, a almost like a frat party yeah. <laughs> and I am what I now know as a big grown-up not a baby adult is that your your managers and your agency managers are all there watching you yeah. behave like an idiot and I wish I hadn't done that I can't change things but I'm very cautious now so um, there is a temptation to get stuck in because it's Christmas, isn't there? Oh, there is. And also it's free. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think the thing you've got to remember is that you are at a work function. Mm. So all, you you have a brand. You either have a brand that you're an ambassador for your organisation mm -hmm. or you're an ambassador for your own business. Mm. And you want to be seen as a polished professional, whichever way it goes. Yeah. And so whilst, uh, you know, having, enjoying that lovely Chardonnay or those great bubbles is a terrific idea and Lord alone knows I would be enjoying them, but mm -hmm. I might temper it with a glass of water in between. Mm. And, and, and I'm... So be aware. I'm very mindful because I'm a very light drinker. I have no match fitness. I'm very aware that two or three glasses is pretty much my limit. And once I start to have that third, the one thing I know that changes in my behaviour become a lot more sweary, <laughs> and <laughs> which is fine in a, a personal setting with people that are my friends, but in a work setting, not everybody enjoys that kind of language. So I'm very mindful. Once I hear myself swearing, I'm like, oh, you need to stop drinking, Sarah. That's my cue to myself that I've had enough. Um, and so those kind of things, I think when we drink, we really let our guard down and we don't, we're not, we're not that ambassador that we hope to be, are we? No, I think, look, it can happen. But of course, the other thing is to take yourself out of your own headspace is to look at the way other people are doing it. Mm. If other people are getting a bit untidy, <laughs> it's a good wake up call for you to sort of say, you know, I'm going to pull back. I'm not going to be that person. Um, uh, because you, you're an ambassador for your brand, if it's your personal mm. brand or, a, or a, you know, a business brand. Oh, I love that word, untidy. It's such a good description. 
<laughs> so if we are at an event, um, and like you say, because we're diverse and culturally aware, if we're at an event where predominantly people aren't drinking, but there is alcohol being served, what mm. is the etiquette on that? Should we be drinking or not? As a guest, I would. If I was invited to be somebody that was going to give a speech or whatever, or seated at a top table, for example, mm-hmm. if it was yes. a dinner or whatever it may well be, I wouldn't. Right. So I tend to take my lead from my hosts. Yes. Much and all as if it's a you know a ghastly situation, I would love to have that extra glass of Chardonnay or the first glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think taking a lead from your hosts is a good. Is is a fairly good rule of thumb. Yeah, and that could probably apply to a lot of our behaviours at events as well, couldn't it? It can. It yes, can. as long as they're so, not getting I mean, untidy. <laughs> yeah, don't get untidy. And if you're if you're just not sure about a situation, and sometimes you know you can sip a little bit more if you if you are feeling unsure, that's when you take that break and go to the bathroom, replace the lipstick or whatever you want to do, put a comb through your hair. And, and this is for men and women, obviously, um, not lipstick bit, but, <laughs> you know, just, um, you know, have a look at yourself and say, you're here to do a job. Mm. And it, it is really true, particularly when we are self-employed because we are our own ambassador. And so we then have no one censoring our behaviour, which isn't always a good thing. So it is good to just give yourself a little pep talk to say, this is your job, Sarah, and this is what you do. Um, so I will be taking that with me into the silly season. But do be your authentic self too, you know. <laughs> but uh, I think integrity and authenticity is really important at the end of your office party uh, situation. Mm. You know, you've got to be yourself. People are looking forward to seeing that that perhaps lighter side of of, of each other, you know. Yes, uh, well, I like that. nothing wrong with that. So we can let our hair down a little bit but not untidy. <laughs> love that so Louise I um I'm so thrilled to have you on here and I always learn something every time I speak to you now I know that my listeners are going to be thrilled to hear that you are launching a podcast I am and so it's uh it's yes it's a matter of great excitement for me um would you like to know the name yes please <laughs> uh so it's going to be called manners and other matters oh I like that exploring etiquette and elegance and so we'll be looking at all sorts of things social and work etiquette dining etiquette etiquette for children I've got a great range of experts in so many different fields including jewelry and fashion design and all sorts of things who are going to be coming through and I'll be taking questions as well and answering modern day dilemmas oh I love that I am so excited for your podcast I can't even put it into words because um, for all the listeners, I have worked with Louise. I have attended some of her workshops, which um, are inspiring and exciting because they fill you with confidence and give you new skills. Um, but I also love the everyday application of, like you say, elegance and etiquette. And I think that I'd love to see more of that in all of our lives. So um, for all of the listeners, please do um, go to the show notes because I'll pop the link to Louise's podcast in there. And um, be sure to tune in. Uh, Louise and I were having a chat before um, before we started recording and I said to her, I truly believe that what she's going to be creating is such a gap in the market uh, in terms of that area of etiquette and elegance. And I know that, Louise, you embody those things, but I, I do want to mention briefly because I love that you did this on your social media. Um, in your recent trip to Europe earlier this year, you talked a lot about elegant travel, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a nice thing to to uh, to try and embody. I think there is 
so many ghastly things about long distance travel. <laughs> and also when you get to other places, and I think I shared this in your Facebook group where I attended, a, I'd gone to a, a function in Sydney and people took their shoes off in the um in the convention centre where we were and they had sneakers on. I was like, why do you need to take your shoes off at all in a public space? But sneakers, it's felt like yes. they should. And this, uh, and uh, there were some very interesting topics that you've had in your Facebook group discussing that kind of elegant travel concept, which is something I have to be honest, I probably hadn't considered consciously before, but I do, I do love the idea of it. Well, it's a, you know, when you're travelling, it doesn't, you know, particularly if you're in economy, as I do most of the time, um, you know, you, you're in a you're in a sardine can with other people yes. and it's really important to have that respect and consideration for other people and kindness too i think mm. that that's really those those three words they're, they're a little old fashioned you know respect consideration and kindness but when you're in a you know in a confined environment it's really important to think about your fellow travelers and taking off smelly sneakers in an aircraft isn't one of them no <laughs> It's absolutely not. So, Louise, I know you and I can talk all day because we certainly have done that in the past. So I will be mindful of respecting my listeners and the time frame of my podcast. So I want to wrap up and say from my heart, thank you so much for being a guest. I truly love having you on my podcast. I feel so privileged that you say yes when I ask. Um, so thank you again for coming along. And to all of my listeners, please be sure to um check out the show notes for Louise, connect with her via her website. She does an amazing job on social media and also check out her newly launched podcast as well. So thank you again, Louise. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Thank you. And to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. I will see you the same time next week on The Social Circus. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Social Circus. As your host, Sarah Thompson, I am thrilled that you've chosen to spend your time hanging out with me. I would be so grateful if you could spare an extra moment to go and leave me a review on your favourite podcasting platform. And if you even felt more excited, you could share my podcast with your friends who you think would get great value from it. Thanks so much again for tuning in. 